Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Yes, it is Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today. On Oilers Now, Hour 2 brought to you by Digitex, PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software, and now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at digitex.ca. Keep in touch. 630-630 is the Heartland Ford text line with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory. They are one of the largest volume Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford, and of course, we're at uh, on Twitter rather at Oilers Now and at Brendan Escott. So I uh, head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline right now, and I first have to issue an apology to Brian Burke, who was presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication solar. Brian, I just got your text message now. We called you on the wrong number. I hope you're okay doing it on this one. Yep, everything's good. Perfect. Let's rock and roll then. So Year of the underdog is is safe to say. Um, it's just been astounding across the first round of the playoffs. But I'm curious, Brian, who impressed you the most in getting out of the first round? Well, I, I'd say it's a tie. I think Colorado uh, dominating a, a superior Calgary team uh, blew me away. But I think the, the Columbus Blue Jackets really blew everybody away. That No one foresaw that coming. Anyone who tells you, they thought Columbus could win that series, let alone sweep it, uh, is a liar. Um, they, both of those teams did it in very different styles, and we've, we've mentioned that a couple times on today's show. But Colorado, they got it done with speed. Columbus did it the opposite way. They did it with very heavy hockey. And now Columbus has to go into Boston in a hostile environment to play a team that is built very similar to them. So um, just give me a thought maybe on, of those two teams, Brian, who can you see having more success here in the second round? Well, Boston's got way more playoff experience, and they had a longer a longer series, and that tends, in my opinion, you know, the rest versus rest theory, but I think you get sharper the more games you play, and you start clicking things a little differently, a little better. Uh, Columbus needed the rest because their D was banged up. Um, this one, to me, and I'm going to wimp out here, but they're almost all these series now are pickums because you would have said Boston over Columbus in six games until the playoffs began. You'd say, well, it's a better team, more playoff experience. But the way Columbus roared through there, and like you said, they beat people up doing it. Like this is a, they played a back alley series, and Boston played a series on the front lot. So very different. Uh, 
So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I should have a more intelligent response, and I hope I do by the time I go on TV tonight. <laughs> well, it, it's the way that it's shaken down. It's it's just stumped hockey fans. It's defied logic. I I haven't been around the game very long, but I can't think of another playoffs that has has gone, you know, almost exactly opposite the way we would have expected. Is there anything comparable in years past, Brian, that you've experienced to what we've seen this year? Not even close. I went back and looked last night because, you know, when you're working on TV, you want to give good answers when people ask you questions. And I'm like, I went back and looked over the last, you know, few years, and I don't think there's anything even close to this in terms of upsets. The top seed's all out. This and that. I mean, it's crazy what's what's going on. And and I think you'll see more of the same now. You're, you got teams that play different styles, but riding good waves, all of them. And so they've all got momentum, so that doesn't go in anyone's favor. I don't know. Just crazy and more parody in the nhl than perhaps any other professional sporting league i think it's fantastic for the game that anybody can win in any given year what do you think about that well what's happened is a couple teams that needed help in their marketplaces have gotten that help so i mean this is good for this is good for columbus you know they haven't had any playoff success whatsoever this is good for the Islanders. They haven't had much, and they, they're building a new building. Um, it's great for Carolina, where they've had poor attendance. So it's a great story. It's not a great story probably for the broadcast partners, but it's a great story in those markets. And that's the when you get an upset, that's the, the flip side. You know, you get disappointed people in Calgary, but Colorado, that marketplace is vibrant right now because of that. So there's always a winner and a loser in it on the ice, and there's always a winner and a loser in it at the gate. Brian Burke on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Brendan Escott in for Bob Stauffer today. Um, Brian, you were quite uh, quite opinionated on the Joe Pavelski incident on TV. Um, wh- what are your thoughts, not only to, to how that uh, was handled on the ice, but now we hear today that uh, Dan O'Halloran and Eric Furlitt will not be doing any more games uh, throughout the rest of the playoffs. Do you think that's a justifiable move by the league? Yeah, I do. Uh, the officials, you got to keep in mind, it, it's very easy to criticize officials. It really, it really is, because in a 60-minute game, it's the most difficult sport to officiate. They're on skates at ice level. They get one look at it. Players moving 35 kilometers an hour plus. It's really hard to do. It's the hardest sport to officiate. And any the officials, I remember talking to a, the supervisor of officials from the NFL, and his comment to me was, I have no idea how you guys do this. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's really hard. But in the playoffs... They are scrutinized just like the players are. And this, to me, was a badly blown call. I don't know how you come up with a major on that play. And they huddled on it. So four people who saw it happen or didn't see it happen uh, concluded that a major was in, in order. And the only reason I'm vocal about it is, to me, that, that decided the series. Now, a purist will point out that, hey, they allowed four goals on a five-minute power play, which I've never seen before. I've never seen more than two. They allowed four goals, so they got some blame here. And they did force overtime. They got it to overtime. So it really didn't cost them the game if you're if you're a theorist. But in reality, it did. That game was nicely in hand. They had a good lead. They were in control. And so, yeah, I don't mind that the, the officials here are being held accountable. Um, again, they're the best in the world, and they have a difficult job. But for four of them to get that wrong in a game of that importance, no excuse. What do you think of Jonathan Marchessault's comments? Because you, you want to talk about trying to hold the officials accountable. I don't think I've seen a, a post-game presser quite that heated. He was pretty upset. Um, do you mind that? 
No, I, this uh, this is that's how you should feel when you get eliminated and you think it was unfair. Um, I objected to the the Maple Leafs handshake with the Bruins. I thought it was like a love Everyone's hugging and hey, good luck, but you should be miserable when you lose a playoff series. You know, when my teams get beaten in the playoffs, you have to go over and congratulate the other GM. And it was usually a very short, unpleasant conversation. I wanted to punch the other GM. And I had to shake his hand and wish him good luck. But trust me, it was a short conversation. It wasn't friendly. It wasn't, hey, can't wait to see this summer. Let's do a cookout. And that's what I felt the handshake line was the other night. So I, I didn't mind him being upset there. Not one bit. Well, since you bring up Leafs in Boston, Brian, um, wh- what is it that the Leafs just can't get over this hurdle? I get the sense that they might be inside their own heads, not to discredit Boston, because I think Boston is a playoff-built team, but when you watch that series and you, you evaluate that series, why can the Leafs not get it done? I don't know. The, the, the part that if you're a Leaf fan or if you're a Leaf player or on the Leaf coaching staff, the part that's going to haunt you over the summer and 20 years from now and you're sitting having a beer and thinking about your career, what's going to haunt you is it was a winnable series. So you say the Bruins are playoff dope, but they didn't play, other than game two, they didn't play a black and blue game. It was a pillow fight, this series. They played Maple Leaf hockey. The Leafs tried to beat you with skating and scoring. They played the Leafs game and beat them at it. And that's the part that will haunt you if you're a Leaf fan is that this was a winnable series. This is a team that didn't beat up the Toronto Maple Leafs. They actually played the Leafs style and beat them. But the doom and gloom here is, it's unbelievable how Toronto overreacts. It's crazy. It's like the sky is falling. And I'm like, okay, let's step back. They lost in game seven to a team that finished ahead of them in the standings and was in the top four teams in the NHL. You know what? It's not all bad. I feel the same way. It's just amazing how how they can take a story and run with it. Now, some of those headlines, Brian, have included is Mike Babcock wanting out of there. I I think that is absolutely ridiculous to even suggest. He's only halfway through that contract. Um, You can definitely call into question the fact that his superstars didn't play more than 20 minutes in that game, but his job is not going anywhere in the immediate future, is it? No, I I don't think so either, but I do think it's fair. And again, when you're the head coach, and I know because I was the GM, when you're the head coach or GM of an original six team in Canada, guess what? Everything you do is going to be questions. You're talking about scale here. So in Edmonton, how many writers would be, or writers or TV people would be at a post-game press conference at a regular season game? Maybe 20? No, oh, less than that. Yeah, so say say 20. We'll give be generous. Sure. It's 80 here. So when you lose... All 80 of those people are looking for an angle. They're looking to pick up a rock and throw it at somebody. So blame the star players, blame the coach, blame the GM, blame the referees. But there's lots of rocks flying. There's 80 rocks flying. So everyone gets some of the shrapnel. And here, there's lots of, you know, they went after Nazem Kadri, who deserves some fault. Uh, They said the star players weren't good enough. But one of the valid complaints or questions is, why didn't the star players play more, especially late in the game? As far as, and Mike Babcock's a good coach. So it, it's kind of, you know, it's ironic that we're nitpicking a coach that's a proven coach. But the fact of the matter is, I think it's a fair question. So they didn't juggle lines. They didn't double shift. So you're down late in the game. You need two goals. That's when you start double shifting your top six. Or you shuffle lines and, and double shift Austin Matthews if you're not going to do that. So I think they're fair criticisms. I think they're fair complaints and fair questions of the coach. I don't think there's anything unfair. Now, that he wants out, I don't think that's fair and I don't think it's accurate. 
Um, but I think the questions about allocation of ice time and who played where, when and where and with whom, I think those are all legitimate questions. I think they're all fair. Brian Burke on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline right now. Um, let me get a quick thought from you on on how likely it is that Mitch Marner gets an offer sheet in this offseason. Well, I think they're I think they're poised to I think they are poised to match any offer sheet. And and people think the reason there aren't more offer sheets is collusion. But you're talking about the worst colluding group of people in the history of mankind. Um, and it's a tool in the CBA, and teams will use it. What they are reluctant to do is just drive the price up for another team. If they're, all they're doing is if the team's going to match, then really it's a futile effort by the, the team making the offer sheet. Basically, they're saying, we're going to make you pay more, make your player, make you pay your player more, but we're not going to get the player. And if you're not going to get the player, then it becomes, you say to yourself, well, okay, do I want another team mad at me for the next 10 years? So I think there may be offer sheets this summer, but I think Toronto would match any offer sheet on Mitch Marner, so no, I don't. And one more thought. I know we're going a little Leafs heavy right now, but we saw what happened after William Nylander's holdout. It was not good thereafter. He just really never regained that form. And I'm wondering if you're looking at this from the perspective of a player, does that set somewhat of an alarming precedent that, in fact, I do need to be at training camp, and this is what can happen if I prioritize, you know, money over simply getting getting out there and playing. What do you think of that? Well, I think you have to think. A holdout does does hurt a lot of players, and some it hasn't. Some guys have come back and bounced right back and gotten into it. Uh, sometimes it hurts, sometimes it doesn't. You got to consider that when your agent's telling you to hold out, and you got to look at what the gap is. What's the gap between what you're asking for and what the team is offering? If it's a small gap, you might say, well, let's somehow bridge that gap and get in and get in, get on the ice. But uh, I think it's a, a function of uh, the, the whole thing to negotiating is that you've got to start with goalposts that make sense. So if the agent says, I'm starting at $25 million a year, and the team's at $750,000 a year, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a hold up. So teams, what I always try to do is make my first offer a legitimate offer. So we almost research it like it was an arbitration case. So if it's uh, the player's name is John Smith and he's a left winger that scored 24 goals and had 160 penalty minutes and was plus this, now you run your computer and you say, all right, find me every forward, left wing or right wing, every winger that matches this profile that's in this range. And it'll spit out six or eight or ten people, John Doe, Mary Smith, and, and say they're all comparable. And this is what they make. And that's how you, how, how you prepare your offer, no different than an arbitration case. And so we always try to make the first offer very reasonable, right in the ballpark where it should be, and then not move much. Other teams start low and, and make the agent work it up. But we always try to start, okay, this is a deal you could accept as is, or we can fight. But it's, it's definitely in the ballpark. And so they've got a big job here with this guy. The key is on the Austin Matthews contract, so they gave Nylander seven mil a year, 6.9. And the Austin Matthews deal, it's only five years. Like, they didn't buy very many years of unrestricted, if any. And that's the key is that's the players that walk in five years. You've got control for five more years. That's going to be the fight here is not just money but term.
Interesting stuff. That was wicked insight. Brian Burke on the phone right now. Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer. Brian, we're 25 years now without a Canadian team winning the Stanley Cup. We've had teams come close, but nobody's been able to bring it home. What impact do you think, if any, that that has on the game with no cup in a Canadian market? Well, the biggest thing is the, the tax differential between the two countries. And forget the state tax. Just at the federal tax level, there's a there's a big difference. And I used to get discouraged, so we'd do a, no tra- a limited no-trade clause with a player. And we'd say, you can give us a list of eight teams that you will not accept a trade to. And even the Canadian kids, you know what the list is? It's seven Canadian teams plus one team in the States that I want to go to. So it's even Canadian kids. If you look at the no-trade list, even the Canadian kids realize with the tax differential that they want to do something, they want to get to the states if they can. And then you factor in that in Florida and Nevada, there's no state income tax. So there's an even bigger market. So the Stephen Stamkos at 8.5 in Tampa is actually better off take-home pay-wise than he would have been with over a million a year here in Toronto. So, you know, it's it, it's a real problem. And I don't see a solution unless they come up with some situation where a player can average his income. Back in the day, they let players average their income because they have short uh, short earning careers. Now, I can see a switchboard at, at Chad lighting up right now where people said, are you suggesting we figure out a way to tax the athletes less in this environment? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I'm smarter than that. What I'm saying is it's a very real problem. When people say, when's the next Canadian team going to win a cup? My answer is, it might be a while. And that might not be what we want to hear, but you've got to approach it realistically, right? 121 here at Edmonton. Brian, I've got one more for you. Connor McDavid nominated for the Ted Lindsay Award for the third year in a row. He's up against Kucherov and Patrick Kane. you got to figure McDavid is uh, considered a frontrunner for that one. What do you think? Well, with the Hart Trophy race this year, um, I asked six before we did... uh, I did the Berkey Awards, the last regular season game I did. And for the Hart Trophy, I asked six GMs and coaches, can a player on a non-playoff team, should a player on a non-playoff team win the Hart? And it was unanimous. They said no. And I said, well, you can. Uh, Mario Lemieux did. Uh, but he won the scoring title by a considerable margin over Mr. Gretzky that year. Um, I don't, I don't think it's cut and dried in this case. I think Kucherov is a legit candidate for this award. He had a runaway year. His team had a runaway year. I'm not sure it's a lock for Connor. And that's, you know, and I love Connor McDavid as a player. I don't know him well, just to say hello to. He sure seems like a great kid. Uh, but Kucherov, let's not just put on Alberta blinders here. Kucherov had an unbelievable year, mm-hmm. and his team had an historic year. Great stuff, as always. Brian, it's pure gold when you're on the airwaves. We appreciate the time, and we'll certainly connect again next week, okay? Okay, thanks for having me on. Thanks a ton, Brian. That is Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack 123 here in Edmonton. Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer. More texts from the Heartland Board text line when we come back. Hi, this is Ryan and Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. minutes for your texts on the Heartland Ford text line. Brendan S got in for Bob Stoffer today and eye-opening stuff with Brian Burke. I am I'm I'm disappointed, I think, to hear that even the Canadian kids are are 
you know what? You got to provide for your family. I get it. But all seven Canadian teams not on your no trade list? I don't know, man. That's disappointing. Couple people uh, here at 6:30, 6:30 saying Miro Heiskanen should be the rookie of the year or could at least be considered. I don't disagree with that for a second. He third overall pick from last year's draft stepped up into uh, a pro season here with Dallas, and you can't discount him being a big part of the reason they're at where they're at. I think every team would uh, salivate over the chance to have a puck-moving defenseman such as Heiskanen on their team. In response to whether there's been another year like this that we've seen in the playoffs. We get a text from Andrew in Sherwood Park. He says, well, what about the Oilers beating the top seed Red Wings in 2006 before they went to the finals? I'm not saying there's not been upsets. I'm saying we haven't seen upsets across the board like this ever. And it's fun. I love it. If you haven't figured it out, I think the parody is great because... I mean, you're you're probably not just a hockey fan, right? Like, do you like watching the Golden State Warriors in the finals for six consecutive years? I don't. Where's the fun in that? Or even the Patriots, for crying out loud. Speaking of which, NFL draft today. I'm a big Texans fan. Who's your team? Text me, 630-630. Are there any other Texans fans out there? Right on cue, Topher says, Quinn and Williams might have the top rookie spot nailed down. We'll see. I've got him going third to San Francisco, Topher, who also made a really good point. I wrapped this up quickly for studio producer Dustin Kaufman. Mark Recchi comparing him to Justin Williams and that sort of unsung, always there in the playoff time, seems to be the wily veteran on many a, a Stanley Cup winning team. Mark Recchi, a great comparison. Also a Kamloops guy. Can't complain about that. Jack Michaels, Reed Wilkins coming up, and we will revisit our dreadfully wrong picks in the first round of the NHL playoffs. We'll also preview round two with the roundtable. Brendan S. got in for Bob Stoffer. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.